Welcome to Fandom Power. In 1985, Back to the Future asked the question, could a high school teenager be friends with his father if they went to school together? The movie was a smash success, earning $388 million globally on a paltry $19 million budget. The movie has gone on to become a pop culture phenomenon, with many considering it to be one of the best films of all time. Well, today we're going to turn it upside down as Fandom Power presents our very first episode Fantasy Casting Call. Today I'm joined uh, by Andy. Hello. And uh, so we've been talking about this for a few weeks now that we were going to uh, try this out and see if this is something that uh, that uh, the listeners like. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. So let's talk about the premise of what, the, what we're going to do here today. So, I mean, everybody, I think we all universally agree, like in the world of reboots, Back to the Future is like the one like ultimate hands-off property. Don't touch it. You know, I think there was maybe a stretch with doing Ghostbusters where people were like, oh, that's that's really risky. My friend, don't be a jerk. Yeah. But Back to the Future is like universally one of those like hands-off. Don't touch it. It was perfect yeah. the first go around. Is there a way to make it better though? Is there? Possibly. With the new technologies and everything out there, it's, nothing can be off the table anymore. Uh, I have to agree with you. I think we see it. We're seeing it more and more now, especially with the what's the the, the buzz one right now, the digital de aging, where yes. you can literally you can have any actor you want now in any film, and they can look exactly how you want them to. I mean, uh, we saw it with uh, Michael Douglas in the uh, the Marvel films, where you know he looked significantly younger. It's like, oh, that's romancing the stone, Michael Douglas. Yeah. You know, not not Michael Douglas today. So, well, and that same with Mark Hamill in uh, the Mandalorian, right? And that technology is only getting better. And I don't remember who said it, but I mean, I, somebody in the industry had said it one time. There, there will come a time where it won't matter if that actor has passed on. Like, we'll cast a sound alike for their voice, and as long as we have likeness rights, we'll be able to digitally insert anybody we want to into any film. And I think that. That presents some interesting options, even if some of them are maybe a little creepy. True. <laughs> so I guess that kind of brings us to the structure of today's show. And I think we talked about rules for the show. And really, to make it a true fantasy cast, I mean, it, there really is only one rule. And that is, in the recasting process, you, we could pick any actor whether they were alive or deceased, and it could be from any point in their career. So that makes it a true fantasy cast. So like if I wanted to cast, say like, maybe not in this movie, but if I wanted to cast, you know, Sammy Davis Jr. at age 30 with Alec Guinness at age, you know, 75, I could do that and and it's my fantasy cast. So I think that's going to make for an interesting uh, discussion as we recast Back to the Future. So... Why don't we start from the top and let's go, uh, I guess we'll go uh, our, our two main principles first and kind of talk about that. And then we'll just kind of work through the cast until we've kind of hit everybody that we wanted to. And let's see how this goes. So Michael J. Fox played Marty McFly. It's, it's, it's me, sir. It's Marty. If Michael wasn't already a household name from his uh, appearances on uh, Family Ties. 
this movie certainly propelled him into the stratosphere of stardom. Again, what a hard what a hard role to recast. Again, like when you look at, you know, who else could do it, it's very difficult to to come up with somebody else. So who did you pick? For mine, uh there is a deep fake rolling around on the internet. Okay. And after watching that, I am sold 100% on it. Tom Holland. Very interesting choice. Now, are you basing that on any particular uh, performance or role that he's done before? Or is um, it just strictly on the deep fake? For the look, just the deep fake. But his performance in Homecoming as that uh, awkward teenager. Yeah. So, okay. So I, I have to admit, we talked about this prior to the show. And, and this is the only one where we actually spoke to each other in advance. Because I had no idea that this deep fake even existed. And I, too, immediately went to Tom Holland based on his uh, Peter Parker performance. And like you say, awkward teenager. All I think of is the scene in uh, Avengers Endgame when everybody comes back. And, uh, you know, Spider-Man makes the big swing out into uh, onto the Avengers grounds. And Tony Stark is there and it's the big hug. And he's like, you will not believe what's been going on. Mr. Stark, we were in space and then the thing, and then I was gone and then I woke up and then Dr. Strange said, they need us. Come on, kid. <laughs> like, it's just the spastic. I don't, I don't know how old Tom Holland is. I know he's a young actor. Is he younger than Michael J was at the time? Possibly. I think it's just, there's something in his, man, in, in just his style, the way that he's, yeah, the the Peter Parker character. His characterization of Peter Parker is a great, uh, a great uh, stand-in for Marty McFly. Apparently, he's twenty-four years old. Twenty-four. So I think I think Michael J. Fox was of a similar age at the time. I should just say though, for, uh, I don't know about you, but for my picks, before we get too deep into it, is I didn't want to change the movie very much. I wanted the movie to to play out kind of as I remembered it. So I. I approached it from the perspective of who do I think could have pulled these roles off and gave a similar compelling performance in those roles. So some of the choices I think are, are <laughs> I know some of the choices are going to make you laugh because I laughed as I was writing them down. But yeah, so that was my approach to the film was I don't want to change it too much. I just I want it to look familiar, but yet different. Mm hmm. So that's it. We're one for one. Uh, we got a Tom Holland as our Marty McFly. Oh, this is nice. <laughs> and I'm I'm surprised to see where this is going to go next. So I guess the next one is is uh, Doctor Emmett Doc Brown. Great Scott. And you know him. He's Christopher Lloyd. He's still out there on the convention circuit. If we ever get back to them, <laughs> you had a you had a close call with him. I did. He was actually the last autograph I got at uh, Niagara Falls Comic Con before this whole pandemic thing decided to go. That's pretty cool. And uh, for the, the fans who don't know, uh, you've got a story about sharing a meal in a in a similar location. <laughs> yes, uh, I sat two tables away from him as I was having supper that night at uh, Niagara Falls Comic Con. Yeah, and the wife had to tell me, you know, stop looking over there. You're gonna bug him. Stop staring. You're yeah. making a scene. Switch seats with me so you don't look at him all meal. Uh, what are you looking at, butthead? Oh, uh, so but it's, what a super genuine, nice man. I uh, I did not brave the lineup for his. I went to this convention that year as well. I did not brave his lineup. I know that on Sunday because we stayed for the whole weekend. 
Did you leave on Saturday? Uh, no, we took off on Sunday. Sunday morning? Sunday afternoon. I got his autograph Sunday You did. Morning. Okay, so Sunday, we were right there to the bitter end. And I mean, the show floor was closing down and there was still a significant lineup in front of that DeLorean to get the uh, the photo op with him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and he looked like he was just like as fresh as he was on, you know, Friday afternoon, right? Like super, super cool experience. Okay, so... I'm going to go first this time. Okay. <laughs> I decided that uh, I would subvert this one just a, a little bit. And, and uh, well, let me just throw this out there. So my Doc Brown is going to be Brian Cranston. Say my name. And I say that from, I mean, so Brian has done a few comedy movies. And it's there's some similarity across uh, his comedic roles. I don't want to say that he's playing the same person every time, but he has a dry wit. It's not as over the top as Christopher Lloyd on that, oh, Marty, we gotta go, it's the kids. But Brian Cranston's comedic timing is very, very good. And I don't know if you've seen, there's a movie he did uh, based on a true story with uh, Kevin Hart. It's called uh, The Upside, where he plays a uh, quadriplegic. I don't believe I've seen that He plays a quadriplegic who is basically looking for uh, a life aid, and uh, he ends up hiring, like, interviews a bunch of people and ends up hiring uh, Kevin Hart, who's not uh, not a healthcare professional in any way, shape, or form. He's just a, a regular guy who's trying to get his life together, and it turns out that they kind of need each other more than the other thinks. Anyway, it's a, it's a great feel-good story, but if you haven't seen it, check it out. It's called The Upside, and, and just pay attention to Brian's his wit and his timing because it is spot on. So, yeah. Uh, Brian Cranston for my uh, Doc Brown. You're goddamn right. Good choice. Where are you at? Uh, me, I leaned right back into that deep fake. Oh, okay. Because Robert Downey Jr. pulls off a uh, convincing-looking really? Doc Brown. Is that right? It is. But based on his entire tenure in the Marvel Universe and a whole lot of other films, I think he could pull it off. He plays, oh, I don't know if this is the right word, he does spastic pretty well. Again, if I can go back, I'm going to cite Endgame again, but his whole speech about, you know, being cratered by a planet and, and uh, mind you, that was kind of a, an emotionally driven scene, but he does do spastic very well. Mm. <laughs> and he's no stranger to the science aspect, like not only with the Iron Man, but like yeah. the older science as well with his uh, Sherlock Holmes performances. Oh yeah. Again, kind of spastic. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. What's the other one? I can't think of the, the, the movie that he did. Oh, my God. The one he did with uh, Jack Black and uh, oh, the one he did in Blackface. Oh. What was that called? Why have I forgotten it? Maybe it's because I've only seen it once. But talk about committing to a role. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the point. Oh, Tropic Thunder. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Tropic Thunder. So talk about committal, like being committed to a role. And, I mean, I think that's a great example. I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. Well... <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, what did I do? Oh, no, sorry. I thought I missed a... I'm looking at my notes here. I'm like, did I forget to to cast somebody? But no, I, I see what I did. Where are we next, then? Do we go to the McFlies or do we go to Biff? Uh, What's the order you have? I guess we can go in your note order if that makes it... You're going to lead, so I guess right. I'll just match you whatever you decide. Well, I got Biff up next. Okay, Biff. For my Biff... Biff originally played by uh, Thomas F. Wilson... Also still uh, very active in Hollywood today. Lots of voiceover roles. Very much so. Don't think we don't know how to weed them out. So for my Biff, I went with the 90s Mallrats era Ben Affleck. 
Really? Yes. He plays a great pseudo-villain in that. Okay. Who is also, what's the word here? Fond? A little bit of a fondness for rape. Oh, really? And I think that would factor in well to that performance. Yeah, so? Just being kind of rapey. That character, <laughs> that character in particular, yes. Oh, am I allowed to laugh at that? I think so. Okay, all right. It's a comedy. You're allowed to laugh at comedy, yeah, right? Yeah, we're, we're still aiming for a comedy vibe Okay, in this good, good. I also picked a, uh, a villainous character because he's certainly portrayed that way. But my biff is Bill Paxton. Ooh. And it's Bill Paxton based on his performance as Chet from Weird Science. Okay. Like total overboard big brother, you know, would, uh, you know, the, all the big brother crap. If you, for anybody who's ever had a big brother, you know what I'm talking about, would, you know, rub your nose in it or, you know, give you noogies until you cried. And, you know, it was just a total pain in your ass the whole time you were still living in your parents' house, right? Like real, like evil big brother kind of vibe from uh, Bill Paxton as uh, Chet. He's an asshole. But yeah, Bill Paxton as my Biff, because I think he's a, a treat. And I mean, he's a, I mean, he's done some pretty horrible movies, but I mean, he, as an actor, I think is pretty good in just about everything. Even as, uh, uh, even in his uh, moment in Aliens as, uh, as Hudson, right? It's over, man. It's over. Well, that's great. You know, I can totally see that, you know, his, his propensity for, uh, dramatic overacting, I think lends itself sort of to the, the Biff character. I think that would go over well. Yeah. 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 All right, so uh, where are we going to go next? That's uh... Uh, Next up, I've got George McFly. George. Oh, we're going to go right to the McFlys. Okay, so uh, George, where are you, George? Got to find you on my... Uh... Why did I not write that down? Mm. Played by Crispin Glover. You're George McFly. Originally. Yeah, he's played by Crispin Glover, who has a really not good relationship with the franchise. Yeah, it, it went south after that first one. Uh, it took years. I don't know. Uh, I don't know about you, but it was only recently that I learned that it was a lookalike for the sequel, and I guess he was really, really upset that they they went and used his likeness without getting permission. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! I got to find my original notes because I totally skipped over George, and I didn't mean to. Oh, poor George. Oh my god! Where is it? Oh yes, of course. Uh, okay. So, George, you want me to go first? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So, uh, George McFly, Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick. And I'm not talking Ferris Bueller, Matthew Broderick, but I'm talking like he just did a Netflix series, uh, a zombie series, uh, Daybreak. I haven't seen Daybreak. It. I think it's Daybreak. Plays the principal, high school principal. And uh, it does lean into sort of the, uh, the his, uh, there's some actual callbacks to, um, uh, Ferris Bueller, which kind of make me go, <laughs> Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, his, I guess you can't really pick Matthew Broderick without thinking of Ferris Bueller on some level, but you know, like how George was like docile and kind of awkward, uh, even as a, an adult. And, and then even later when Marty comes back afterwards and George is this like big famous author, he's still kind of just a little bit like weird. Mm -hmm. I do see Matthew Broderick fitting in that role. I mean, certainly visually it's a pretty decent, uh, I don't want to say a match, but it's a pretty good look to 
I don't know if he pulls off Tom Holland's father very well, but certainly the 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 father figure of the family, and I think he would be a good choice. Okay. That's my George. All righty. My George, I went with, and I love him when pretty much everything I've ever seen him in. Yeah. I went with Rounders era Ed Norton. Oh, really? Yes. The man can fall into any role he needs to, so I'm 100% sure he could pull off the weird, the awkward, yeah. but also the other end of it, the confident, the cocky. If you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. I appreciate that choice. I don't know if I agree with it, but I certainly appreciate that choice. And I don't know if it's because I don't think of him as being a, a very great human being, <laughs> but that doesn't, that shouldn't take away from his ability to act. And it, and it doesn't, because I agree with you. He's a great actor. Who's your favorite actor? Wow. Rounders era. Okay. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch that because now I want to, I want to get in your head now. <laughs> well, if we're going to talk about George, we should probably talk about uh, George's wife, Lorraine Baines McFly, originally played by Leah Thompson. And let's see, by 1985, Leah She'd done a few things. She Did she not appear in, uh, oh my God, uh, Red Dawn, I think by that time she'd been in. I think so. With uh, Ferris Bueller's sister, baby, from uh, Dirty Jennifer Dancing. Grey. Yeah, so they were both in that together. Yeah, so I mean, Leah was already a, a, an up-and-comer leading lady of the day. Interesting choice, though, to play Michael J's mother, considering I think they were pretty close in age. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who do you got for uh, for Lorraine? For my Lorraine, I went with... The Devil's Advocate era, Charlize Theron. Oh, really? Yes. Devil's Advocate. I I saw Devil's Advocate, and I thought that was a great movie, but I don't see her as being a mom. Maybe not out of that role. That was more of her... Uh, Just her physicality at that time? Probably physicality of that time, yes. Sure, sure. But she has delved in. I know she can pull off a crazy wide array of characters, like uh, she did that one based on the serial killer. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. Monster, yeah, yeah. I think it was Monster. I know the yeah, I know what you're talking about though. But uh between that, between Mighty Joe Young, 2 Days in the oh, Valley. Oh, yeah, Mighty Joe Young. Yeah. So yeah. she can care for that creature. That's true. So yeah. There's the mothering sure, instinct sure. in there. Are you shitting me? Very good choice now that you say that. I went completely the opposite way and uh this one I think maybe is like this is an eye-rolling choice and even I rolled my eyes when I went to this, but really who else in 1985 would I lean into to play Lorraine? I went to Julia Roberts. Hmm. And I based that on her Aaron Brockovich character. Aaron Brockovich. And again, talking about much like the Robert Downey Jr. thing, uh, playing a spastic character. And let's, I mean, Lorraine is kind of, uh, you know, she's, she's the mom of the house, but she's kind of, she's kind of quirky. A little bit. And I think, I think Julia Roberts can be quirky. And why the hell would you assume that? You know, I mean, everybody kind of goes to Pretty Woman as her her big thing, but like, I thought she was great in Aaron Brockovich. I think that character, some of the isms that exist in that character translate well into what we saw with Leah. Mm -hmm. This episode of Fandom Power is brought to you in part by CollectorsPlatoon.ca. CollectorsPlatoon.ca, organizers of the annual Toronto Collectors Platoon Toy Show. Check out CollectorsPlatoon.ca, the Canadian home of Ian's display accessories, specializing in action figure stands for figures of all scales. Visit CollectorsPlatoon.ca today. You're listening to Fandom Power. 
sticking with the family, let's go down uh, the list. Do we want to go to uh, Brother Dave? Sure. So Dave McFly, originally played by uh, Mark McClure, uh, if you weren't aware of that, Mark McClure was the original Jimmy Olsen in the 1979, 70s, 70s, Superman. More recently, he played the police officer in the uh, in the plaza in Justice League that uh, okay. that Lois went to visit that brought she brought him coffee. Okay, same actor, yeah. So it's a nice little nod to him, the Superman connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Dave Dave McFly, Mark McClure, who's your Dave? My Dave is Jason Siegel. I know who you are. Yeah, you're very very famous. Oh my lord, I thought we were gonna have a match there because I also picked a Jason. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great choice. They look there's a very similar look for them. Yes, and based on his performances in Forgetting Sarah Marshall and whatnot. Yeah. You know, is there kind of work-driven, but not really? Yeah. And I see uh, I see Dave. I, I guess I think of the family more at the end of the movie when, when Marty comes back. And everybody's gone all yeah. confident version. Yeah, the, in there like, I picked a Jason as well. I picked Jason Bateman. Okay. So he's a kind of a, oh, how do I say this? Jason Bateman... I guess, for lack of better words, really is playing kind of versions of the same character in just about everything he does. So uh, whether it's Michael Bluth from Arrested Development or Nick Hendricks in Horrible Bosses, they're almost, you know, they're they're slivers of the same guy. Again, the the dry wit, you know, and I think of uh, uh, the scene at the at the breakfast table where he's sitting there in the suit and he's completely nonchalant, flipping through the newspaper and just sort of idle conversation. And it, I totally see Jason Bateman and his his uh, his dry wit kind of doing the same thing. So, yeah, hmm. two two Jasons. There you go. <laughs> Half a point for that one. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess that brings us down to uh, Linda. Now we're going to touch on Linda. There we go. Linda McFly. So Marty's sister, originally played by Wendy Jo Sperber. I guess I'll go first on this one. Okay. This is my like left field like way out there, but I think would be good just sort of based on the mannerisms. And I'm I'm going with Mayim Bialik based on Amy Vera Fowler from The Big Bang Theory. This is so exciting. Okay. You know, the way that she dressed, the super conservative dress, the, you know, glasses and the nerdiness. And, you know, pre going to 1955, Linda was kind of kind of awkward, you know, kind of. Uh, and I kind of see, you know, I think Mayim could pull that off. Hmm. Where are you at? Uh, with mine, I kind of went the other way because the Linda character I've always seen as kind of like a, a background piece to that. Yeah. So it's a nice spot for a cameo. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I went with uh, Chasing Amy era, Joey Lauren Adams. Oh, okay. And I'm basing that on that performance. She's more of the confident one at the end of the film. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. also pull off the repressed, awkward, needed role for the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting, too. I guess when I think about my own choice, could could Mayim do both? I guess she could. She could. I mean, really, outside of that, what else? Blossom. But, I mean, Blossom was always that. Well, she's got that new one, Call Me Cat. I don't think I've seen, I haven't seen that yet. It's just wrapped up its first season. Sitcom? Yep. It is. What, uh, who's got it? Uh, CTV, I believe. Okay, I'm going to go look for that because I'm, I'm curious to see. She's, she was absent from acting for such a long time and then to come back to Big Bang Theory and, and then nail the, the Amy character, 
I'd be curious to see what kind of range that she really does have because... Well, she actually did go out and get her doctorate, did she not? Yeah, she's she really is a, uh, a doctor in what, neuros, neuroscience? Neurobiology? Maybe. I'll have to look that one up. I think it's neurobiology, but I think she's actually very much knowledgeable in the field that she's portrayed as in the show yeah 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 cool choice i i agree uh, those are that's a good choice i just love jolie lauren adams so i want to see her in more yeah 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 what's next on your list uh next up we have jennifer jennifer okay so jennifer played originally by claudia wells who for whatever reason was not invited back for the subsequent films was also present at niagara was it the year before i think we went i think so uh, she had a really good panel. She and uh, James Tolkien, uh, Principal Strickland, they did a panel together. It was it was very good. She, they were both very well spoken. Uh, she's still very passionate about Back to the Future. She does like to remind you uh, that she was the original Jennifer. I stress original. <laughs> Not the subsequent Elizabeth Shue version. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember her being in much else, to be honest with you. But again, no. I think there was some horror films I think that she had done. I'd have to look that one up too, but, uh, oh, am I going first on this one or are you? No, you can go first. Sure. So my Jennifer, uh, so true fantasy cast, here we go. 1995, Alicia Silverstone, Clueless. So I was like totally bugging. Hmm. That's my Jennifer. There you go. Yep. I think she'd play off well against Tom Holland. I think, you know, they're of similar, you know, similar age at that point in their career. And I mean, the, uh, you know, the Cher character in uh, Cher uh, Horowitz uh, in that movie isn't as uh, as ditzy as maybe the, the, the supporting cast around there, whereas, like, I think Jennifer has that, you know, a similar vibe where she looks the part, but she's, she's not... The lights are on. Yeah, exactly. And I think Alicia Silverstone, I think, uh, could have pulled that off. What do you got? Well, I went the fantasy cast route on this one, too. Okay, cool. And I went with Labyrinth-era Jennifer Connelly. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, uh, Jennifer playing a Jennifer. Yeah, that's that's a great choice, too. Yeah, I, thinking of Labyrinth and how, yeah, she she pulled a lot, of, a lot of emotion out of that, too. For sure. Yeah. I mean, at that point, what else had she done? She was in Dark City, though. She's been in tons. Yeah. Other than that, I think Tom Holland is a pretty short guy, and I think she's relatively tall. <laughs> I know, you know, with the magic of uh, editing and camera trickery, we can always make that look like uh, there's not much difference. Same thing, oddly enough, the current Tom Holland is Spider-Man, and uh, and the, the current Mary Jane. There's Zendaya. Yes, yeah, so there's a little bit of a height disparity there. I don't know if you've noticed that. I have not. Yeah, they, they really go out of their way in uh, Spider-Man Far From Home to make sure that uh, he's walking ahead of her on the bridge to make him look a little taller. Huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was she also the the female lead in, in Legend? Possibly. With Tom Cruise? I don't think she was in uh, Legend. Not in Legend? Who was no. the female lead in that? I can't remember, but... Oh, my Lord. Mia Sarah, that's who it was. Yeah, that's funny. I should have picked her. Should have picked her for my Jennifer because she's a good choice too. Because that's another one where it was like, oh, interesting. All right. So cool. Cool choice so far. Uh, that was uh, Je- uh, not Jennifer. Yeah, yeah Jennifer. Jennifer Parker. 
It's because I'm jumping all over my notes. Our notes are not in the same order, so that's why I'm kind of... Yeah, so Alicia Silverstone for me and Jennifer, Jennifer Connolly for, for you. Oh, man. What a drastic difference, though. Okay, let's move on. Who do we got next? Uh, we got Principal Strickland next. You look to me like a slacker. <laughs> okay, I had a lot of fun with this one. Uh, do you want to go first on this? I can go first on this. Okay. Uh, this might be my uh, movie tastes and influences, but yep. uh, I went right back to Mallrats. Oh, okay. And Michael Rooker. Rooker. Yes. Oh, interesting. You know, even I am not familiar with him really outside of like Yondu. Yeah. And I mean, a couple of other things I've seen him in, but even that, I agree with you. He would be a pretty good principal Strickland. (laughs) I may be as pretty as an angel, but I sure as hell ain't one. Boy. (laughs) So I went, uh, I went with somebody who was a little more contemporary for the time, um, but probably too big to consider for the role. In 1986, there was a little movie came out based on the Battle of Grenada. It was called Heartbreak Ridge, and it starred Clint Eastwood. Ooh, that's true. Get out of my hall, (laughs) slacker. (laughs) Can you just hear? I can just hear Clint Eastwood, slacker. (laughs) I can hear it. And that would be a nice touch for uh, part three. Seriously. Eh? <laughs> yeah, Wild West yep. <laughs> as the sheriff. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, this, is the, this is the one that I had the most fun when I wrote it down. And I, I would bust in a gut at home and thinking, oh, my God, all the one-liners, this guy. <laughs> Clint Eastwood is my, is my principal Strickland. In fact, if anybody wants to... Uh, in the deep fake world wants to try that out I would love to see that so yes please <laughs> so Rooker and Eastwood good lord imagine if they met hmm? <laughs> uh, what's left we only got a few left here uh, we've got uh, Goldie Wilson oh yeah so future mayor of Hill Valley yep. uh, Goldie Wilson now originally played by Donald Fullalove I'll go first I went with Another Donald, Don Cheadle. Ooh. So Don Cheadle is going to be my uh, Goldie Wilson, and that's solely based on his portrayal of Colonel James Rhodes. Fair enough. Uh, I feel that uh, Rhodey, the Rhodey character, the way he was written, where, like, Goldie, the way that he portrayed, like, his character, how he was just kind of, you know, humble, but yet funny and a couple of zingers, like... I feel like Rhodey does the same thing. Like, hey, new girl, we're all about that superhero life. You know, like, and he's no stranger to comedy either, right? But again, he's just got that, his timing is great. The one-liners are great. And I think he would make a great Goldie. And yet he still has the, I don't want to call it command presence, but the presence to be, I think, you know, later on as the mayor, like he makes a credible uh, authority figure. Mm -hmm. As well as the, like, the guy sweeping the floor, <laughs> you know, who's your Goldie? Uh, my Goldie as the guy sweeping the floor from the era of half baked. I <laughs> want Dave Chappelle in there. What the fuck are you talking about, man? Interesting. There's certainly a, there's a certain uh, style I see you that you're leaning into when it comes to your, your other film choices. <laughs> Chappelle, Dave Chappelle. People like me. That's an interesting one too. I think, 
yeah, I think he'd be all right. He's got the comedy chops for it. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see his interview with um, David Letterman? I did not. You should check it out. It's on Netflix. It's on Letterman's show called My Next Guest Needs No Introduction. Okay. Uh, it's in the most recent season, and it's a, it's a great little insight into uh, what Chappelle's been doing since he's kind of come back into the limelight and how he's living his life now. Living in Ohio, <laughs> away from Hollywood. Hmm. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, I definitely approve of that choice. Fantastic choice. Wow, I think we got, what, one left. Band. Oh, wait, you've got two. I've got two, only because I went Right, you more. went a little extra. Okay, so the last one, this is an uncredited role. This is the band audition judge. This is the role made famous by Huey Lewis of Huey Lewis and the News, who contributed the hit song, uh, actually, two songs to the movie. Multiple. Yeah, uh, Back in Time, uh, which, uh, and then, of course, The Power of Love. That's the power of love. So, you want to go first on this one? I can go first. Okay. Somebody with uh, acting and comedy chops, but also yep. leaning really heavy into the music and could provide some hits. Yeah. Even covers. Yeah. For this version. Yeah. Jack Black. Oh... I think your choice is better than mine. Because <laughs> I would so love to hear a cover good. of The Power of Love by Tenacious D. Oh, my. Yeah. Yeah. That's the power of love. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Typical Jack Black style. Oh, man. I'm almost embarrassed to tell you my choice after hearing that. I took this as uh, this was my ultimate cameo slot. If you could only have one person who embodied music and rock and roll, there is only one choice, and it's Elvis Presley. Oh. Hmm. Who made, you know, Elvis who made multiple, multiple movies, which were all musicals. Yep. The king of rock and roll, man. I mean, uh, can you hear uh, Elvis saying, uh, sorry, you're uh, too loud, eh? Too loud, too loud. But yeah. I don't know if it's a great fit. I actually think Jack Black is the better choice, but uh, as my ultimate cameo, you know, if Elvis Presley was alive in 1985, I think uh, he'd have made a good choice. He probably would look the part of a of a high school teacher too. Quite possibly. <laughs> Considering, you know, where he was at the end of his life. But. Well, if you wanted to stand in for Elvis, you could always get Bruce Campbell. Oh, yeah, really? Eh? Bubba Hotep. That's so true. So true. Yeah, which is interesting because... I mean, usually your 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 Hollywood Elvis go to is a, is often uh, Kurt Russell, uh, yes. who has portrayed Elvis in a couple of different ways. Uh, played Elvis's fictitious Elvis's son in uh, Three Thousand Miles to Graceland. Graceland. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Elvis Presley is my uh, my stand-in for Huey Lewis. All right. Well, that was an interesting exercise in. Uh, in recasting a movie and I think you know when you this is sort of one of those fun things that we've talked about before where uh, you know Wizard Magazine back in the day when it was still a, a printed uh, yes magazine would do these casting calls all the time and it was always interesting to see what they came up with you know casting a you know I think X-Men came up they did you know, a few times and they put Patrick Stewart as Professor X they and did and yeah and yeah you kind of lose your mind when you figure out that oh my god it's real so this this is one of those things this is like you know schoolyard this is schoolyard talk you know it like it's uh in the nerd community I think we've been doing this for forever so 
I think this was a fun exercise to uh, to see what we could come up with, and I think we did okay. Well, I got one more. Oh yeah, you I got, got my one bonus. More. Pick. Oh, bonus. Okay. Uh, in the interest of adding more cameos to this film, yeah, because who doesn't love those? Okay. Uh, the bum on the park bench. Oh yeah, the who, uh, uh, utters the line, "Yeah, yeah, crazy drunk drivers." Crazy drunk drivers. Crazy drunk drivers. I want Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas era Johnny Depp. Oh! <laughs> Is he going to have a British accent? He can do whatever he wants. That's right. It's Johnny Depp. If he didn't do that, okay, so now, okay, now it's hit me because now that you've thrown that out, I've got one because I didn't, I didn't actually cast this role. Raising Arizona era. Uh, oh, my God. Nicolas Cage? Yes! <laughs> actually, you know what? Today, Nick Cage, or any any time in his career, Nick Cage, because it's the same <laughs> dude. True. <laughs> Think about uh, was the movie uh, the where he's a con uh, con air. Yes, con air. I got you this rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> well, folks, there you have it. We just uh, spent the last oh I don't know forty minutes or so. Uh, it's pretty short today, actually. Oh, mm-hmm. we're only, yeah, 40 minutes, exactly. <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah, we uh, we took a movie that uh, some would say is untouchable, and as much fun as I had doing this, I have to go back to, it is untouchable. It's a timeless classic, it and uh, I'm super happy that, uh, you know, people have kind of kept their hands off of it, because uh, it's, a, it's a perennial favorite that we watch several times a year repeated viewings are nothing new exactly whenever you're in the mood for uh you know you get a long weekend or you got a you get a pandemic that you, <laughs> you gotta get through and you've got a few months to stay at home you can watch uh, the back to the future trilogy that makes for good background for well that's a day's worth of movies right there for sure and if you All really right. want to get into details there's lots to see in there Lots hidden in there. Yeah, we could come back. To, I, and, you know, at some point we will. We'll come back to Back to the Future because that was sort of the catalyst for some of the other episodes that we were talking about. The Hill Valley set. Yes. How many times has that been reused across other properties, right? True. Yeah, yeah. So that's going to be the centerpiece, I think, for our, our props and uh, set pieces episode. But, I mean, yeah, we'll come back to Back to the Future again at some point and we'll we'll do a deeper dive on it. Sad to see you go. You've really made a difference in my life. You've given me something to shoot for. And, uh, yeah, so that's our first kick at uh, Fandom Power Presents uh, Fantasy Casting Call. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, if you liked uh, what we're doing, hit us up on uh, social media and let us know what movies uh, you'd like to see us try and recast because this was certainly uh, <laughs> this was a fun exercise. Hey, and if you have some ideas you want to be on the show, we're always looking for uh, you know extra voices. Happy to uh, entertain you guys. And... Uh, Come be part of the show with us. Anyway, I'm Wes. And I'm Andy. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye for now. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Fandom Power. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms. Fandom Power is a Sawcast production.
Have you ever wanted to start a podcast, but you didn't know where to begin? Maybe you'd like to try podcasting without having to invest in any recording equipment. Do you have an idea for a show, but you're not sure how to develop it? Let Sawcast Productions take care of all of that so you can focus on what it is you want to say. Sawcast Productions offers podcasting solutions ranging from recording and basic editing to fully produced episodes complete with all the audio embellishments of a broadcast quality show. When your show is ready, Sawcast Productions can distribute it too. Contact us online today. So, what do you want to say?